Okay, so uh, we left off last week. We were doing uh, the Aleinu prayer. Uh, so what we need to do to finish off uh, Shachris, at least, is to go ahead and to um, uh, finish Aleinu, and then go ahead and do the Shir Shal Yom. And then we will uh, call it, uh, actually we'll discuss Kaddish a little bit also in the, over here, the Kaddish Yasam. We'll address that, and then we'll. Uh, I think we're going to say that we finally finished Shachris after, you know, it's the longest Shachris you've ever participated in, but uh, it was, uh, but we will have gotten through it uh, thoroughly. So the first thing that I want to uh, point out to you now is, you see, and this is a line that always used to be in parentheses, and there's, you know, people uh, still wonder about this line. So it's this particular line of, of Aleinu, where we say, they go ahead and they prostrate themselves to vanity and nothingness. And they pray to a God that cannot deliver. So is that part of Aleinu? It's not part of Aleinu. Why in some Sidurim does it appear in parentheses, whereas in other Sidurim it's part of the regular text? Depends whether the doors are open. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, yes, right. Uh, an outside tent minyanim, so it's going to be said quietly. Indoors, it may be, uh, can be said a little bit louder. So he says um, that, uh, so it's interesting that he says that um, in the Lakute Marich, he says, mm-hmm. So some Sidorim have this line, which you have highlighted over here. So as Al said, this is something that you could say in your private Shmon Esrei and Rosh Hashanah. Nobody's going to hear that. And it seems to be, he says, that the Ramah also has this, uh, this girsa. And then he says, what it seems, the reason why you don't find it in all of the Sidurim is that they went ahead and they deleted this particular line from many Sidurim, because they're afraid that the nations, and certainly the censors, who were looking at all of the uh, the, the books in this farm, which were being uh, published, so they would take offense, because we're telling, we're saying that their gods are Hevel Rik and their gods, Lo Yoshia, are not going to be able to go ahead and save. And it's not that far of a leap to go ahead and see the word Yoshia and see Yeshu in there. So certainly the Christian censors are going to be offended by, uh, by, by that line. So that's why it ended up in parentheses or not in uh, uh, appearing in many different Sidurim. But the truth is, is that it seems to be that this is actually part of the ancient text of the original, uh, the original composition of Aleinu. And in fact, I'm struggling to keep track of my pages here. In fact, uh, in the World of Prayer by Dr. Eli Monk, so he writes as follows. He says, in Germany, this did not cease for centuries afterwards. The passage in which we thank God that he has not made us like, like unto the other families of the earth, nor our lot like theirs. That's the line before. Was followed by the word. So it says these were taken from the prophecies of Isaiah. That's where we get this idea from. And then he said in the year 1400, a baptized Jew spread the calumny, 
I didn't know there was such a word, C-A-L-U-M-N-Y, that these words referred to the founder of Christianity. So it took, like we were talking about on Shabbos in the Drasha, it took this off the derech Jew to go ahead and to uh, point to the Christians and say, hey, they're, they're making a statement against our God. He proved it by pointing out that varik, the word over here, vav, resh, yud, kaf. So if you go ahead and you take the gematria of that, 200 and 100 is 300, 310 with the yud, and 316, as well as yakro, yikaro, sorry, which is later on, umoshev yikaro, same letters, had the same numerical value as yeshu, 316. And although Menashe ben Israel in his salvation of Israel and others thoroughly refuted the accusation, it was raised time and time again. Finally, the entire phrase was dropped from the Ashkenazic prayer book. It just became too much of a pain to go ahead and keep fighting with them about it. And they kept, uh, they kept uh, harping on it. So therefore, they decided to, uh, to go ahead and to, uh, to, uh, to uh, abandon it. Now, another interesting thing, which I saw... At the end of this first paragraph, we're going to talk about the two paragraphs as a whole shortly. But over here, at the end, when it says, when it says, we talked about this also in a drasha not, uh, not too long ago, that you should know and you should put into your heart. So he says that this idea comes, this, this phrase, so comes, so it actually, that phrase appears, or the Pasuk really appears, in Parshas Veschanan. And he says, And if you just look in the trap of the words, So what trap will you see? It's a munach rivi'i. So you, we would read it, So it's munach rivi'i. What's the significance of the fact that the words, have the trap markings of munach rivi'i? So he suggests, the author suggests, Efshalomer, the Torah is trying to hint to us over here. That a person should arouse inside of him or awaken inside of him his perception of the greatness of God as it's manifest in creation as a whole and specifically or in Choshech, the, the existence of light and dark. Then he says, and it's well known what Rashi says, the Parsha's gracious, that the, the constellations were created on day one of creation. But like a good contractor, it sat around for a little bit. And it wasn't until on Wednesday that Kosh Baruch Hu went ahead and put the constellations, the sun and the moon and the stars into place. And that's why we say over here, and you should know today with the trap munach rivi. What's the significance of the munach rivi? So you mankind should be aware. Who is the one who created the entire universe? Shuhubara, he created stuff on day one. He created this, uh, this constellations on day one. And didn't hang them until day four. So when, you're, when, you, when you realize when you bring that awareness that Baruch who created, 
Munach, he placed it down, Rivi'i, until day four of creation, and that's when everything went into place, that will lead you to that will facilitate taking that intellectual awareness of God being the creator of the universe, and that will help facilitate bringing it into your heart. So that's how he sees this, uh, this interesting hint to the idea of the Adata Hayom and the, the specific significance of the trap of that uh, of that particular uh, that particular line. Okay, then we have ready uh, to go. Right. So now um, Let's do it that way first. Okay, so the first thing is from the Sefer Nesiv Bina. So he points out um, that, and we'll, 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 we'll review this in a moment. Let me just read what he writes, and then we'll go back. He says, So we go ahead and we contemplate on the structure of Aleinu and how exactly it was, the content, the message that the author is trying to convey. That the first part of it is talking about in the present. It's talking about present tense, what we want right now. So that's why the opening words are It's incumbent upon us to, to praise God. It's not in the future. It's right now we should praise God. And it's also going to be nister in this regard means it's in third person. We talk about Hashem. So we say, Who are we going to praise? We don't say, We say, We say, The one who is the master of everything. We bow and prostrate ourselves, and give thanks to who? Not not before you, second person, but rather, it's not she'atah, we're not talking to God, we're talking about God in third person. So this first part, the first paragraph of Aleinu, is all in present, and it, ta- it refers to God always in third person. Then, he says, in the second paragraph, when we begin, etc. So he says, there we're already talking about what we want to see in the future. In other words, we hope to Hashem our God, we want to see quickly, but it's something which is not here in the present right now. It's something that we want to happen in, in the, the future. We want to see the beauty of your strength, soon that you're going to go ahead and remove all of the filth, the idolatrous filth from the land, and their gods you will cut down. And we're talking about all the things that you want to happen in the future. And over here, if you pay attention, we switch from third person to second person. And then it's going to be so everything now switches as we move to the to the future. So it moves into second person. So that's an important thing to uh, to realize that the two paragraphs, one is talking about what we want to see in the moment, and the other is talking about what we want to see in the future. And when we're talking about God in the moment, we're referring to him in third person. We talk about him. We're not talking directly to him. And then the second paragraph where we're talking about the future, 
So then we switch from second person into, uh, sorry, we switch from third person into second person. And along the same lines, so in the uh, uh, Dr. Monk, so he says as follows. So in his introductory paragraphs to Aleinu, he says that it's taken from the Musaf service of Rosh Hashanah, where it opens the Malchios section. So of the three middle brachas which we have, so the first one is Malchios, so that opens with Aleinu. And this prayer has been taken into the daily service at a comparatively later date, somewhere around 1300, he suggests. No specific reason for this transfer can be found in the sources. Like who made that executive decision to, to grab it from Musaf of Rosh Hashanah and make it into, uh, incorporate into the daily prayer. But later authors assume that the idea developed in the Aleinu, vis-a-vis the future harmony of all men in the recognition of the one God, was considered the most fitting finale to prayer. So this is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for the entire world to be able to, rec- to be able to recognize God. And when we get to end of our prayer service, so we're hoping that we were all elevated and we had a positive influence on the world and are bringing the world as a whole closer to that place of universal recognition of God. And our, Israel's parting request is not the wish for destruction of its innumerable persecutors, but the hope that all false idols may disappear from the earth to build a world in the dominion of the Almighty. So he makes the point that we're not talking about idolaters, we're talking about idolatry. We want the eradication of idolatry, not necessarily the idolaters. Then he says, the Aleinu is among the most meaningful of our prayers. In its first part, it emphatically pronounces the decisive difference between our belief in God and the belief of the rest of mankind. That's what we said is talking about now, and that's what we're talking about God in third person. While the second part, with equal emphasis, utters our confident hope that ultimately all men will return to God. A return to God, according to the Jewish view, does not imply the acceptance of the Jewish faith at all, meaning we're not expecting that in the future everybody's going to become Jewish, but rather the recognition of the one God as the immutable source of source of truth and loving kindness, and the decision to serve him, each one in the way willed by him. So that's what we're looking for. It's not the, the, the hope that everybody's going to become Jewish. It is simply just a prayer looking towards the, uh, the future as far as with the world recognizing God as a creator. But even then, there will be some people who will be Jews and other people are not going to be Jews. And that doesn't bother us at all. The fact that there will be millions of people, really billions of people who are not going to be Jews all that uh, we ultimately uh, want is that everybody should recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the creator and their obligation to serve him. Each way, each one according to the way which matches for them and who they are and their personality and all that. But ultimately, each one is going to be able to, uh, is going to forge a unique relationship with, uh, with HaKadosh Baruch Okay. Now, after that, we have... Uh, as we know, this is, I wasn't really going to do uh, um, uh, Kaddishes, but over here, this Kaddish after Aleinu is actually a significant one. And here, you have the... Um, right. So here, the tour writes as follows. He says, Some people say this certain phrase at the end of Davening. Vein Lomar came. And you should not say that. You should say that Kashbarhu is 
his uh, his abode over here, Moshe wherever that is, um, somewhere in here. Yeah, and then he says, This is the more accurate nosach, the more accurate version. And then it says, In other words, that after Aleinu, the Torah says, when Aleinu is done, everybody goes home. So what is that? What, what did he leave out from after Aleinu, everybody goes home? So the Dark Moshe writes, Mashma, Dein Loma Achar Aleinu Kaddish. So this implies that there's no Kaddish to say after Aleinu, because he didn't mention that there's a Kaddish to say. That in, uh, in where he talks about in uh, the Sfardi version, they say a capital to him, then they say Kaddish, then they say Aleinu. So it's not as if he's ignoring the, the presence of Kaddish. When there's a Kaddish to say, he mentions it. And he didn't mention anything, even by Nusuf Sfard, to say Kaddish after Aleinu. But obviously, we all know that that's not our minog. Our minog is that we do say Kaddish after Aleinu. In this, you look in all the Sidurim, so all the Sidurim referred to it. I wonder if they did this as well. No, they just have regular Kaddish. So this is referred to as Kaddish Yasum. Why? Because this is a Kaddish which was reserved for Yusomim. Yusomim, as we're going to see, is referring specifically to uh, Yusomim who are not bar mitzvah yet, so they're not able to lead Davenim. So since they could not, they cannot be Shliach Tzibor after their father or mother passed away, so the, the best that we can offer them is to go ahead and say Kaddish. And there was a Kaddish which was reserved really for the children. It wasn't, res- it wasn't reserved for the adults. Now, what's the backstory to all of this? So the Dark Emotion now explains. It says, V'chein hu ba'agur. Agur is one of the Rishonim. He says, V'kasav b'shem ma'aram. Afo pishazah Kaddish niskam b'shvil ha'meisim. Even though Kaddish was, uh, was uh, composed to be a prayer, it's not about the dead. It's not on behalf of the dead but a prayer which is said by survivors after a relative dies. Like the story uh, in the Medrash tells us involving Rebbe Kiva. So he says, so that's what, sorry, so that's, that's what it was set up for. So it was set up because this is something which is going to be beneficial for the neshama of the deceased to have their offspring go ahead and say Kaddish. Now he says, so seemingly you would say, okay, so if this is called Kaddish Yasom, and it's reserved for Yasom, it's reserved for children who lost their parent, Rahman al-Islam, and they need to go ahead and they, uh, instead of davening for the Ahmed, so they're going to go ahead and daven here. They'll say this Kaddish. So if the, but that implies that in the event you don't have any Yasomim, there aren't any orphans in Shul, just get the Kaddish. Who, uh, why, why do you need to say it? It was, it was, it was set up for a specific person. So he says, He says, even if there's no Avel in Shul, not only if there's no Yasom, but even if there's no Avelim at all, it's, it happens sometimes in Shul, that there's nobody who's saying Kaddish at, at, at the Minyan, we finish Aleinu, and everybody sort of looks at each other, we don't know what to do, because everybody's waiting for Kaddish, and nobody is, is going to say it. So the, the, the Dark Emosha says that this Kaddish should not be skipped. Because it's said after the recitation of Pesukim, because Aleinu contains Pesukim, 
And now here's an interesting thing. He says, Even somebody who ha- whose parents are alive, is able to say this Kaddish, being that it was already enacted to say it, it was already incorporated into the Siddur. So once it's already incorporated into the Siddur, it's no different than any other part of davening. And therefore, just like anybody could daven for the Yom, it could be the Sheikh Sibur, it doesn't have to be an Avel. This Kaddish also is now part of davening, and if there's an Avel, the Avel gets it. But in the event that there is no Avel, so the Agur is of the opinion that it should be said anyways, even by somebody whose parents are still alive. Then the Dark Moshe says, Ubechuvas Maharil, but in the Maharil, Timse Dive Maram Elu, he also cites this opinion of the Maharam that the Kaddish should be said no matter what, and it can even be said by somebody whose parents are alive. The Kas of Sham, but he writes, the Mario adds, Dim Aveim Makpilin, let's say the parents say, you know what, I don't want you saying Kaddish while I'm still alive. And you have parents like that, it gives them the, uh, the, the willies to see their child going ahead and saying Kaddish uh, while both parents are alive. So in the event that's a circumstance where the parents don't let, a child should not say Kaddish then, even this Kaddish Yosom, while, or especially this Kaddish Yosom, really, while the parents are alive. And this is also, you find in other Rishonim as well, and then that's what uh, he tells you where you could look elsewhere for more things about, uh, about Kaddish. But this is the unique status of this particular Kaddish, this Kaddish Yosom, its, it's importance. And the fact that really halacha, and this is what we do in shul, is that even in the event that there is no avil who is present, we will ask one of the people who has been in avil at some point in his life to go ahead and to say this kaddish, uh, th- th- this particular kaddish, in accordance with the uh, the dark emosha over here. Okay, so that is as far as uh, Alenu is concerned. Now we move on to. Shir Shalyom. So Shir Shalyom is, this is, as we're going to see, the specific Nusach, which introduces each paragraph uh, in a little bit. But the first thing that we want to do over here is, so we want to explore Rashi. So the, really, the, uh, the, uh, the origin of saying the Shir Shalyom, of saying, uh, of saying this at the end of Davening, is rooted in the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, where we say that in the Beis Hamikdash, as they were bringing korbanos, so the Levim, their job was always to be the musical accompaniment. So they were the Marachi players, the, the, whatever, whatever they, whatever those guys are, as your Mexican restaurant as they're walking around playing and they're uh, they're singing. So they were uh, so they were the ones who were there to go ahead and accompany the uh, the offering of the korban with song and with music. And every day of the week, they would go ahead and they would have a different song, mariachi. Every day of the week, they would have a different uh, song that they would go ahead and sing. And Rashi in Maseches Tamid, interestingly enough, so over there, Rashi explains the significance of each one of the Shir Shalyoms, if we could pluralize it that way. Okay, so he says as follows. First, we'll go through, the, we're not going to do Shabbos. Actually, we'll do Shabbos. But we'll, we'll go through the ones, although Shabbos won't be here. But we'll go through these, what the, each paragraph, why that was chosen. Uh, and then we'll go back and we'll see this introductory line of the Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos, what exactly the story behind that is. But he says, B'Yom Rishon, so on Sunday, so we say, La Shem Ha'aretz Umlo'ah. So it's these introductory words 
which we focus on. They're the, the main theme. To Hashem is a land and its fullness. The reason why we go ahead and we choose this is because, Rashi says, Lefishu Tchilas Maisabreshus. Because this is the beginning of creation. So day one is the first day that Kosh Baruch Hu created. So therefore, we emphasize the fact that the land is Hashem's and its fullness. Some of the other unfortunate add to it the fact that on day one, nothing was created, even Malachim weren't created as of yet. So on day one of creation, everything was God's, because there was nobody else who could have possibly owned anything other than God himself. So therefore, we emphasize that on Sundays. Then, on Shani, on, uh, on Mondays, so we go ahead and we say, Gadol Hashem, Umulam Od. So we say, God is great and highly extolled. Why do we go ahead and emphasize God's greatness, his godless? So here Rashi explains, Shabo Nechleku Hamayim, because this is when Hashem went ahead and divided the waters, upper waters and lower waters. And the heavens, what we refer to as Shemaim, is actually below the upper waters. So you have upper waters, Shemaim, and then the lower waters, the oceans and the lakes and all of that. So this Gadol Hashem Ulamaod is the reference to the creation of the, uh, or the separation of the, of the waters. Then on Tuesday... So we go ahead and we say, So this means God stands in the congregation of the Almighty in the midst of judges. That in the midst of judges, he gives judgment. So why do we go ahead and mention anything about judgment on Tuesdays? What does judgment have to do with Tuesdays? So he says, Because it was on day three that the waters receded. And now you're left behind with dry land, where mankind is going to be able to live. And it's going to be on land, on solid land, that judges are going to sit and they're going to uh, uh, adjudicate. Um, Others say... Those are better than another reason. Okay, yeah. So that was day three. And then on Ravi, on Wednesday, so we go ahead and we say, um, So this starts off with the fact that God, Almighty of vengeance. So why do we mention revenge on, on Wednesdays? So he says, Shabo Nivru Shamayim Viarech. Because it was on Wednesdays, now we actually know from earlier in the year tonight, that it wasn't created on Wednesday, but it was put into the heavens on Wednesday. So it was created on day one, but it was put in place on Wednesday. And therefore Hashem is going to take revenge. No came min hatoim Because we know that the biggest source of idolatry uh, until recent history was the worship of the sun and the moon. So being that sun and moon were put in place on Wednesday, and that's going to be, that was a source of idolatry. That was actually a source. It was a misleading um, uh, existence of something which draws people away from Hashem. So therefore, God of vengeance is something that we think about on Wednesdays. Hamishi, on Thursday, so we go ahead and we say that Harninu, Harninu Lelokim Uzenu, that sing joyously to Hashem, our strength. So what's going on on Thursdays? So he says on Thursdays, so this is where most of the different land creatures were created. 
And he says, And this is an amazing thing. Just visit the zoo sometime. You go all, into all the different uh, parts of the zoo and you see all the different looking creatures which exist. And you're amazed at how they all look differently and how they're all adapted differently and how they all are able to take care of themselves and they could exist in the specific climate in which they, they are found. And all of that is something which is just amazing to behold. And therefore, this leads us to, a, to sing joyously to Hashem at the richness of, of creation. And... He says, that when you see these creatures, so you should be praising the Creator and you should be thanking Him. And then finally, on Friday, we go ahead and we say, Hashem Malach Geus Lavesh, which translates, Hashem has begun His reign with majesty. So the reason why this is true is because it was on day six of creation that all of creation was finished. This is when mankind was introduced into the world. Um, and he says that that is, uh, also we have the capacity to go ahead and recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu as king. Other creatures don't have that intellectual capacity to see Hashem as a king. So he, HaKadosh Baruch Hu finally ascended his throne in the sense that he had subjects only on day six. And therefore we mentioned the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Melech Specifically on that, uh, specifically on that uh, that day. So that is as far as the uh, the uh, what Rashi says to explain why we say the different uh, shir shalyoms which we do. Then backwards. Yeah. Okay. So now, first thing is over here. So we say, let's go back to the beginning of these. So we say, Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos. Right? And we say, Hayom Yom Sheni B'Shabbos. Hayom Yom Shlishi B'Shabbos. So before we say the capital, which the Levim themselves used to say in the Beis HaMikdosh, we introduce each one by saying, Hayom Yom, this is the, the what, uh, today is day one of the week. So what's the significance of that? He says that, um, he says, mizmor, and that which we say before each shir shalyom, hayom yom rishon b'shabes or sheni b'shabes. So this is something which we find in our versions of the sitter. Beramak lesa. So you look in Rav Moshe Kordavero's work, so he didn't have it. Achubor hayasher, but you find it in other Kabbalistic work. Okay, so what's the what's the the, the thinking behind it? So it's a fascinating thing. He explains, by introducing each day Shir Shalyom, Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos, Hayom Yom Sheni B'Shabbos, Hayom Yom Shlishi B'Shabbos. So this is a fulfillment, according to the Ramban, this is a fulfillment of a Daraisa of remembering Shabbos. So Ches Yom HaShabbos, the Kaddashot to sanctify it. Meaning, that every day of the week we have to remember where we are in proximity to Shabbos. And that's a way of honoring Shabbos because it's like a countdown that I'm getting closer. Today is the first day of the week as we get closer to Shabbos. It's the second day of the week as we get closer to Shabbos. And the Ramban says, And we should not refer to the days of the week the same way non-Jews go ahead and do so. So whereas non-Jews refer to it as 
the Sunday or the moon day or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever they represent. So we should not be referring to the days of the week with that terminology. Rock, but rather it should be Echa B'Shabbos, So we want to go ahead and refer to it as its proximity to Shabbos. That would be the quote-unquote Yiddish way of referring to the days of the week. And because of this, Okay, we don't, that, that we don't say. Okay, so that is why we have that introductory phrase of Hayom Yom Rishon, is in order to go ahead and to, uh, to fulfill that, uh, that mitzvah of, of the... Uh, of um, uh, of mentioning Shabbos each each and every day of the week. Then he writes. Now the second half is where we say Shabo Hayu Halavim Omrim Beveis That this is the song which the Levim used to sing in the Beis Hamikdash. So this also is a a line, a phrase which you don't find in all of the ancient Sedurim. Some of them did have it. Some of them did did not. And he says that. Um, the Rambam writes that Nagu Lomar So the Rambam says that there are some people who have such a practice to mention it each and every day. Hashir Shalavim Hayum Omrim, but the Avudram Neseder Yom and the Divra Zal Mevim Zelaminah. But once you get to later sources after the Rambam, so they already record this as a permanent practice, something which is like a universal practice which everybody does. And the Ramah brings it down as well. And that's why in all of our Siddur, I don't think I've ever seen a Siddur, which didn't have that as, a, as the, uh, the introductory uh, remarks. Now, an, a fascinating thing which I saw in the Otsar Hatfilos Siddur is, so he says, I don't know exactly what it means, but it's, it, I mean, I guess I do know what it means. But I, I, I never saw anybody practice this before. And I haven't seen it in any Siddur other than this. But he has the line, that we all say. And then in between that paragraph and the actual Tehillim, which we say, he adds in a line. And he wrote it in, um, in the, the way they printed over here. So it's printed in Rashi script, indicating that this is something to think about, but not something that you're going to say. And he writes, Yechavin, what you should have in mind as you're going to say the Shir Shoyom on Sunday is, that there should remain with me today, today being Sunday, a little bit of the extra neshama that we had over Shabbos. So I don't want it, I don't want it to leave me altogether. So when I say that uh, I should have in mind that I want to retain a little bit of that neshama yaseira. Then on Monday, he says, he changes the terminology just slightly. He says, He went from the Shama Yaseira to Ruach Yaseira. I could translate differently the word differently than you, but they refer to different parts of the soul. But I want to retain that, of last Shabbos. Then on Tuesday, he goes ahead and he repeats the same one as Monday. I want to retain a little bit of the Ruach that I had this past Shabbos. And now on Wednesday, we switch. Wednesday, we switch in the sense that the Yechaven, you should have in mind, that I want to start tapping into a little bit of that extra Ruach, which is, which is associated with the upcoming Shabbos. So already from Wednesday morning, we're thinking about the upcoming Shabbos. 
Thursday we say the same thing, Ruch Yisera. And then on Friday, we say that you want to have, that you should have in mind that you're going to get the Neshama Yisera. So Friday and Sunday have to do with the Neshama Yisera's. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Monday, Tuesday have to do with the Ruach Yisera, the, the, additional, uh, the additional spirit. But that, that's in line, in a sense, with what the Ramban says in terms of that by invoking Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos, Hayom Yom Sheni B'Shabbos, every day of the week is then connected to Shabbos. And it's not just that I just need to verbalize the fact that Shabbos has passed or Shabbos is coming, but I'm actually having in mind that I want to retain or tap into a future Kedusha or future spirituality or inspiration, which is, uh, which is going to be coming. So that is how he explains where you should be uh, focusing your attention as far as these things are concerned. Um, oh yeah, and now the, uh, the the way that we remember that you won't get to it till the end, but if you look at if we look at um, the Shir Shalom for Wednesday, so Shir Shalom from Wednesday is if you look it up, it's Tehillim Tzadi Dalit. So it's the, the, the 94th chapter of Tehillim, and that's all of this. It's a long chapter. But over here, these last two sentences, which we say in the Shir Shalyom on Wednesday, so be prepared for this tomorrow morning, these last two sentences are actually part of the next parak. They're part of Perak Tzadi Hey rather than Tzadi Dawid, but they sound familiar because along those lines. So this is Wednesday, as we said, is the beginning when we begin to think about the upcoming Shabbos, and therefore we go out of our regular behavior of just sticking to one capital, and here we add two psukim from the next chapter of Tehillim, because those two are what we use to introduce Shabbos with Kabbalah Shabbos. So therefore, that's how we know that Wednesday, by the time you get to the end of davening on Wednesday, so you should be keenly aware of the fact that Shabbos is right around the corner and you should be getting, and we're so happy, or however that, uh, that song goes. Now, the last thing, which is, which is interesting, it's a halachic point, but it's an interesting thing, that, uh, and this is from the, uh, the, the Ramah, the Mishabura, and that is that in the event, not in the event, being that we say Shir Shalyom, because this was the song that the Levim would sing when the Korban was brought. So everybody knows that in the Beis Amitish, there was the Tamid Shal Shachar, and then there's the Tamid Shal Ben Harbayim. They brought a Korban in the morning, and then they brought a Korban sometime in the afternoon. And in the Beis Amitish, they sang this particular song, both in the morning and in the afternoon, corresponding to the day. So on Sunday, they said the Shir Shalyom in the morning, as well as the Shir Shalyom, that same one in the afternoon. And same thing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So here, we would expect that if we're trying to uh, uh, um, duplicate what they used to do in the, in the Beis Amitash, so just like in the morning, there's a Shir Shalyom, in the afternoon, there should also be a Shir Shalyom. And yet, we all know, we don't say Shir Shalyom in the, in the afternoon. And it has nothing to do with the fact that people are just rushing to get out of there because it's Mincha. So why do we not go ahead and say it? So he says that, uh, the, the Ramah says, and he doesn't explain why, but the Ramah writes, this is in Simon Kuf Lamed Beis, Sif Beis. He says, Only during Shachris. 
Now, obviously, the fact that he emphasizes that it's only during Shachris, he's already acknowledging that there's a real Havamina, there's a real notion to say it in the afternoon, because the same exact reason why you would say it in the morning is why you would say it in the afternoon. There's no difference between the morning and the afternoon. And yet he says the minute is only to say it in the morning. So what's shot? What's shot in this practice that we only say in the morning? Why don't we say it in the afternoon? So here, the base of the the Mishabura records a fascinating uh, um, uh, idea from the Magen Avram, and he says this is in the in Kuflam base Tezayin, the Mishabura. He says after even though in the, in the actual base Amitosh they would sing a song when they did the wine libation as they were offering the afternoon korban. So in terms of precedent, there's no reason to differentiate between the, singing this song by Shachris or singing this song by Mincha. And this is what you, we don't really think very often about what actually took place in the Beis HaMikdash. We just assume that they brought Korbanos. What else are they going to do other than bring Korbanos? But he says, it happened many times, or numerous times. So the Kohanim can get very busy, especially in the wintertime when the sun is setting earlier in the day. So they can get very busy. And they didn't get around to putting the, doing the wine libation, pouring the wine onto Mizbech until it was already nighttime. So they didn't have time to do it in the afternoon. They didn't get to it till night. And as we mentioned a couple of times, that there's a general opposition to singing Shira at night. That's why we don't say Tehillim primarily at night, other than for a Chola or something like that, when there's extenuating circumstance. But nighttime is not a time for Shira. So being that, there were many times, even in the Beis HaMikdash, they ended up not saying the Shir Shalyom on a particular day because it was a busy day in the Beis HaMikdash. So they never skipped the Shir by Shachris. Shir by Mincha, sometimes it was skipped and sometimes it wasn't. And therefore, because it wasn't always said in the Beis HaMikdash in the afternoon, so Klai Yisrael did not adopt the practice of saying it, of incorporating it into Mincha in the afternoon either. And that's why, that, uh, that's why we don't say it in the, uh, in, in the afternoon. Um, okay. And then he mentions the possibility that maybe on Yontif we would say different ones, it was something unique to the Yontif, not uh, unique to the, uh, to the day of the week, but that's a different discussion for, uh, for a different time. Okay, so we are going to hold it over here. Stop share. Oh, actually, we'll keep this far. Um, so the, what we're going to do is, since we're done with chakras now, and um, uh, my, my schedule happens to be particularly busy just because in addition to the two classes, um, both of which are a lot of preparation, uh, a lot of preparation involved as opposed to some other classes, which not as much preparation was involved. And TI switched over to two nights a week rather than one night a week. And Yaakov has a bar mitzvah, which is coming up. And at some point we have to prepare. So the next two weeks, meaning till after Shavuos, we're not going to have Tuesday night class. Then I, I had an idea just this afternoon when I should have been preparing, but I had an idea just this afternoon for something which we may be able to pick up after Shavuos. Uh, to continue the Tuesday night class, but it won't necessitate the same amount, the uh, same number of hours of preparation that goes into GPS for the sitter. 
So I, I hope I'll be able to, uh, to, to, to swing that. And that way we'll be able to continue the momentum of the Tuesday night class, but it will be more manageable in terms of all the other stuff which I, which I have to do. So we may give a new title and we may give a, you know, call it a, a new series altogether, but hopefully we'll be able to, uh, we'll, we'll give it a try and we'll pull a, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see whether or not we can successfully do that. And uh, we'll hope for, uh, for Seattle Deshmaya to, uh, to be able to do so. All right. So the, the, hey, thank you, Rabbi. The next two weeks, nothing on Tuesday. The next, till after Shavuos, nothing on Tuesday. So it's two Tuesdays. We're not having class. That next Tuesday is the day after Shavuos. Three off. Yeah. Three off. Yeah. It's really the wedding. But okay, we'll we'll figure that out. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi. Have a good one. All right.